0: This section is entitled Conclusions. We've been talking a lot about faith and works. We looked at Paul. We looked at James. Let's see if we can draw some conclusions to these two authors and to the uh, information that we have been looking at so far. This next section in my commentary is entitled Conclusions. Moshe goes to great lengths to demonstrate that a heart that is devoid of true biblical faith, and remember, there's really only one kind of biblical faith, right? A heart that's devoid of true faith is a heart that will lead the individual down a degenerative path straight into the curses pronounced here in our Torah portion of Deuteronomy chapter twenty-eight. That's right. God doesn't want to curse us. God wants to bless us. God wants to save us. God wants to safeguard our communities. But when we step out of his will, then God has no choice. Remember, God punishes those whom he loves. God has no choice but to punish us. And and, and, and it's it's again, it's our heart. That gets us in trouble. In one second, a jet is going overhead here. Okay, it's our heart that gets us in trouble, right? The heart of doubt is ultimately headed for destruction. It's 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 a wicked thing. It can be a wicked thing. Who can know it? The heart, as the uh, uh, as the Torah demonstrates, is the seedbed of a man. It's 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 where a man's um, motions and his will stems from. And, um, again, as the curses vividly demonstrate, uh, the heart can get us in trouble. If we do not love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, well then, we're headed for destruction. And uh, the curses are going to spell that out for us. Moshe's heart, which is the heart of the Father, I might add, is that we would truly circumcise our hearts, and that the people would circumcise their hearts so that they can follow after Hashem in His ways and to become the people that God truly desires them to be. God has always desired a softened heart. That's what the term circumcised heart refers to. The Spirit of God can write the Word of God on a softened heart. Conversely, if your heart is hard, if it's stone-like, then God has a hard time working with you. And you're going to find yourself uh, butting up against God's authority uh, all your life if you just keep your hardened heart and your stiff neck. Blessings and curses are quite simply the effects, you remember God supplies the cause, of our heart condition. God gives to us that which we deserve. We bring the blessings and the curses down upon our own self. God promises that blessings and curses will follow us if we um, or I should say, let me say it this way God promises that blessings will follow after obedience, but that curses will follow after disobedience. And so just like when we get to heaven or when we get to see God face to face on the day of judgment. We cannot blame God for the things that are following next. No sinner will have the ability to blame God for sending him to hell. No, no, no. The consequences are their own. And the same is true in this life. God doesn't curse people, God lays down the laws. And we step into those effects. So that's why I use the term cause and effect of sorts. Although it's not just a, a matter of, um, of, of, um, it's not merely just a, uh, a like a physical law or a spiritual law um, that 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 goes into effect without God uh, governing it. As my good friend Norm Franz is fond of saying, "God is the governator. Okay, He makes sure that the blessings and the curses go where they're supposed to go. They don't just they're not they're, they're they don't have minds of their own. Is what I'm trying to say. If we follow trusted obedience, then blessings will follow us. But if we harden our hearts and pursue doubt and disobedience, then I can promise you. The Torah instructs us that not only will the blessings be withheld, but that the curses will actually, watch this, pursue us instead of the blessing. You can look at chapter 28, verse 45. The curses are personified. That's right, it's a scary verse. They actually come after us. We can run, but we cannot hide. To be sure, you know what? We don't deserve any blessings at all. If 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 God left us to our own devices, if he just if he just walked away like we kind of imagine, well, God's not doing anything. The blessings and the curses are just doing it all by himself. You know what? If God took His hand out of the mix, then we would all be headed for destruction, very very fast. We would spiral downward very very quickly. So thank God for the sustaining sustaining spirit of God in our lives and in our communities. Right. We don't deserve blessings at all. Yet God in his mercy sees fit to grant blessings provided we do what? We continue in his covenant with a heart that is governed by genuine trust. God wants our heart. Let's um, look at this next section. One law for one corporate people. This is a, this is such an important lesson that I'm going to talk about next in my commentary here. In fact, I recommend that you go to our website. Okay, I'm on my uh Laptop Now. Go to our homepage at graftedin.com. Look in the upper right corner and you'll see a little um, a, um, an icon. Well, not an icon. I'm sorry. A little graphic, an image um, of Mark sitting behind a microphone. Uh, he's kind of wearing a brown shirt. And he's got his white keep on. And he's smiling. And below this little um, picture, it says Torah Talk Radio Show. Click on that and then scroll down. And if you'll notice, probably near the bottom of the page, starting at the date of, um, what is that, July, Jennifer, March, April, May, June, I'm sorry, June 10th, um, actually starting at, at, at May 20th, you'll see a message, this is the Torah Talk radio show, you'll see a message entitled, One Law, One People, Thoughts on Covenant Nomism. I hosted that show that day, on the uh, 20th of May. Go back and listen to that commentary. It's only 30 minutes long, and it's the live call-in show, Sherry Rogers and myself did that show. Uh, Mark was out of the studio then. Great show. Then from there, um, skipped two shows and we did a series, of a six-part series called One God, One Messiah, One People, One Torah. Um, actually, it's a seven-part series. I apologize. It starts with Parashat Shalach Lecha on um, June 3rd. It runs all the way through um, July 15th uh, for those shows. And anyway... During those thirty-minute um, segments, we talked about the same topic that I'm going to talk about now: one law for one corporate people. What I'm referring to is the quality of God's Torah for both Jew and Gentile. So let's let's move into that section. So this next section is entitled "One Law for One Corporate People" I'm on the bottom of page eight of the written notes. At this point in my commentary, since I've been talking about blessings and curses, it becomes painfully clear that I need to find need to define whom the recipients of the blessing and the curses are based on responsibility to. Torah why do I need to define them because again historically the church says we are this people and the synagogue says we are this people and according to both of these institutions well meaning I might add they both had differing uh, uh, positions on who who receives what based on their position to the Torah based on their I should say their responsibility to the Torah in other words both groups assign differing responsibilities to the Torah and both groups agree that the Torah is not for Gentiles. And that's where I disagree with both groups. It is indeed true that historic Gentile responsibility differs slightly from Jewish responsibility. I understand that. And the operative word is historic. Alright? Volumes could be said, but I'm going to be brief. Alright? Listen up. Historically, those identified as corporate Israel were first given the task of showcasing God's holiness and righteous standard in the earth. You remember the phrase, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, that Paul talked about in Romans? That's where he's getting this idea from. Okay, God singled out Israel first. Remember we talked about this in the uh, Part 8 of this commentary. To this end, God choosing Israel, God supplied them, Israel, with his written words of holiness. That's what the Torah is. It's a standard of holiness as seen through the eyes of God. Now this very same God expected them to accept and uphold his Torah in faith. That's right. Faithfully walking out his words. That is how we were supposed to get it done. So the Jews, historically, have been given Torah and the responsibility and response to it should be a heart that is circumcised towards God. Now, the corporate Gentiles... Are, in fact, in a position to receive the very same Torah and grace demonstrated by believing Israel by doing what? By placing their faith in Yeshua. Okay? Um, And in doing so, they become partakers and fellow covenant keepers through their demonstration of the exact same biblical faith. Of course, this is in Jesus. That's how it works, people. It's so simple, and yet we, 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 we complicate things by trying to redefine who the church is, who is Israel, who's a Jew, who's a Gentile, what the Torah is, and who has the right to keep it. We just make things complicated when the word of God seems amazingly simple at times. Okay, Yeshua the Messiah came to inaugurate the covenant originally made with whom? The offspring of Abraham. You need to go back and read Jeremiah 31, verses 31-34 through 34, and see who the covenant is being cut with. Alright? God makes a covenant with Israel and with Judah. I don't read anything in there that he's making a covenant with the Gentiles. However, we need to understand that the language of Jeremiah 31, 31-34 includes Gentiles in mass provided they continue in the very same trust that Israel was expected to demonstrate. In other words, God grafts the Gentiles into Israel. Therefore, the covenant is made with Israel and Gentiles get grafted in and then um, um uh ipso facto they get included in the uh the covenant made with, with Israel, okay? Don't get me wrong, alright? God has always included the Gare. The Gare is a technical term referring to a non Jew. God has always had the Gentile in mind from the from the word go, from the beginning. The Gentiles are not a a side thought. They're not second class citizens, alright? But what we need to understand from biblical continuity, reading through history, is that Yeshua demonstrated the Father's plan by reaching out to the disenfranchised Yehudi first, the disenfranchised Jew. When he was walking this earth, Yeshua repeatedly told the Talmudim, his disciples, not to go to the ways of the Gentiles, but to focus on the Jewish people. Go to the Jewish homes, uh, stick to, to to the paths of Israel, and don't deviate until I tell you to do so. All right? He sent his disciples to the Jews, but then later on, after he died and was resurrected and, and, and ascended, and sent his spirit, his Holy Spirit, then he sent his apostles, his shlechim, his sent ones, they went to the Gentiles, right? Recall Paul and Peter and, and everything from basically Acts chapter 9 and onward. Acts chapter 10, really, I should say, and onward, okay? Are you following me so far? To the Jew first. And also to the non-Jew. Now, failure to continue in genuine, trusting faithfulness for either Jew or Gentile doesn't matter. Failure to continue invited God to place Israel in a position that Paul called "broken off." This is tochacha. This is reproof. This is correction. You can, you you break faith with God, and God will God will break you off too. Speak using the tree metaphor, and you're the branch, right? You get broken off. In other words, looking at Romans chapter 11, natural branches, which are the Jews, could be broken off. Why? Because of lack of trust. Okay? We read that clearly in Romans chapter 11. God tells Israel, through the mouth of Paul now, his his apostle, God tells Israel, if you break faith with me, I'll break you off the tree. Okay? It's that simple. Grafted in branches by the same principle could also be broken off. Who are the grafted in branches? Well, they're the Gentiles, of course. They could also be broken off due to lack of trust. Again, please read chapter 11 of Romans very, very carefully. Now, far from purporting that some... Ethnic-driven halakha secured one's place in the age to come, the olam haba. Remember, that was Israel's blindness in the first century. They believed sincerely, albeit incorrectly, that just because we're Jewish, we're in. We're in. We're covenant members on an eternal level just because we're Jewish, based on our ethnicity or our relationship clan-wise to the previous families of Israel. Now, it is true that... Um, Physical clanship provided a measure of protection within the community of Israel, and it also provided a measure of connectivity to Israel. There is, in other words, a a covenant membership based on um, natural lineage. However, it does not, and I need to say this very, very importantly, it does not extend spiritually in God's economy. Okay? Just because you're Jewish doesn't mean you're safe spiritually, automatically. There is no spiritual corporate salvation in Israel. No corporate salvation spiritually. Okay, Just because you're Jewish doesn't mean God's going to let you into what Christians would call heaven, but what, what Jews refer to as the Olam All right, The native Jew, the convert Jew, and the good old-fashioned Gentile, well, guess what? We all face the same penalty for remorseless lack of faith. And what is that penalty? Spiritual death God doesn't play favorites, people listen up. So we see that the Torah is the universal document for both peoples and guess what? It outlines God's plan for all of mankind, both Jew and Gentile. We're all included. Let me let me just say this in no uncertain terms. Please listen up. The mystery of the gospel spoken of by Paul in Ephesians chapter 3, the mystery of the gospel is that Israel is not an ethnic set Israel is actually comprised of both Jews and Gentiles. That's right. Contrary to church teaching today and contrary to the synagogue teaching of today. Contrary to rabbinic Judaism and contrary to historic Christianity. Israel is comprised of both Jews and Gentiles. And guess what? When Paul speaks of being grafted in in Romans 11, grafted into the family of God is to be joined to a Jewish olive tree. That's right, I said it. A Jewish olive tree without having to succumb to any kind of man-made conversion policy whatsoever. That's what first-century Israel was saying to the Gentiles. You want to be in? You want to be in Israel? you got to convert and become a Jew first, and then you're a part of Israel. Well, that's wrong. And Paul went to great lengths to explain how that was wrong. So, being grafted into Israel means joining oneself to the family of God. And to this end, one becomes what? Submissive to the Spirit of God and to the instructions and the righteousness of God. And guess what else happens? This person inherits the blessings of God. And all of this, whether he's Jewish or Gentile, it doesn't matter. God extends his blessings, his covenant blessings, through faith in his Son to anyone who will accept the provisions and the stipulations of the covenant. So Jew and Gentile are in an equal position to be both blessed, and Jews and Gentiles are in an equal position to be cut off for lack of faith. To walk in disobedience, and this is coming full circle to my commentary to Parashat uh, Kitavo uh, and Deuteronomy chapter 28, to walk in disobedience and lack of trust is to invite God's punishment, his toh hecha, and his withholding of blessing to belong to the family is to mentally to spiritually and to physically i might add accept the family rules to this end both Jews and gentiles are expected to practice Torah submissiveness within their hearts and within our communities people the Torah is for all of us stop listening to the hellish lie that teaches that Jews and Gentiles are separated within God's economy and that the Torah is not for the Gentiles that is a lie from the pit of hell to submit to God whether you're Jewish or Gentile, it doesn't matter, is to desire and allow his Ruach HaKodesh, his Holy Spirit, to continually mold a person's life into the example of the Son of God who did what? He vividly displayed a Torah obedient and submissive life. And you know what? This is the true responsibility of a true believer in God. Let's sum it up, people. To suppose that faith outside of resulting action, remember in part, uh, I believe it was uh, B, no, in part C, we talked about trust and obey, to suppose that faith outside of resulting action alone is pleasing to God? You know what? That's that, that's misunderstanding the valuable lesson explained by Jacob, by Yaakov, by James, is what we call it in, in the New Testament terms. Okay? Faith outside of action is dead. It's dead. Such faith is barren. You know what? It's of no value to God. But let's, 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 let's look at the converse of that, alright? Let's look at the other side of the coin. Conversely, to mistakenly replace the genuine faith that the Torah teaches with some, what, halakhic rules designed to regulate one's identity with God or to replace genuine faith with routinely said, uh, a routine set of do's and don'ts or anything else is to misunderstand Rav Shaul's valuable lesson. Okay? We need to understand both sides of the coin, both what Paul is teaching and what James are teaching. In Paul's economy, actions that are done outside of genuine faith prove to be displeasing to God and are unacceptable as righteousness. In James' lesson, we learned in Part C that um, from the book of James, genuine faith will always lead to genuine action. And in Paul's lesson, in Paul's letters, we understand that genuine faith is is the requirement of genuine actions as well. That in order for us to to be pleasing to God, it starts with genuine faith. So let me sum up my commentary this week, okay? and then we'll draw this commentary to a close. Blessings and curses are dependent upon the orientation of the individual's heart. God looks at the heart of the individual, whether you're Jewish or Gentile. God does not play favorites. And guess what? This individual is responsible to the words of God. He's responsible for what God has commanded, whether we're Jewish or Gentile. Because you know what? The word of God has gone out through all all the earth these days. It is no longer confined to the camps of Israel. The Gentiles have the words of God. And so we are responsible. What are we going to do with his words? You know what? These words to the Jew... The Torah spells out the consequences of what? Failing to heed the instructions of Hashem while attempting to be included in the covenant family. Yeah, it's pretty serious consequences. An uncircumcised heart is simply not acceptable in terms of Torah-based righteousness. God says no. Your heart is uncircumcised? God says no. That's what he says to the Jew. Now for the Gentile to be grafted into the family of Hashem, what do we need to do? Do we need to become Jewish first? No. Do we need to ostensibly walk into all of the Torah first? No. What the Gentile needs to do is to place his unreserved trust in the Son of Hashem, just like any Jew, and then let God work in him the good work which was designed for him since the creation of the world. Read Ephesians 2, verses 8-10, through and you'll see what I'm talking about there. Everyone else, everyone else outside the scope of the covenant, Everyone else who falls into the category of simply not being found in covenant relationship with Hashem through His Son Yeshua, guess what? They fail to receive covenant blessings. And guess what? They're ultimately a candidate for destruction. In the end, God will destroy them because they didn't find any place with God in His covenants. It's like what Yeshua said in Matthew 25. They'll say to me, Lord, Lord, and Yeshua will look at them and say, you know what? Depart from me. I never knew you. In other words, I'm not in covenant with you and you're not in covenant with me. Depart from me and destruction will be their path. God only deals with covenants, people. He only deals with covenants. And God only cut a covenant with Israel. So you better find your place in Israel or you're not going to be found at all. His son Yeshua freely offers a covenant with salvific benefits, salvation. And all men, all men, both Jew and Gentile, we are all free. In fact, we're all freely enjoined to participate in this covenant. Okay, It's a free gift. God has offered it. What will you do? Will you accept it or will you reject it? The closing blessing is as follows Baruchata Adonai Lohenu Melaka Olam Asher Natan Lanu Torate Met Vechaye Olam Natabatochenu Baruchata Adonai Noten Ha Amen. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe. You have given us your Torah of truth and have planted everlasting life within our midst. Blessed are you, Lord, giver of the Torah. Amen. With that, I wish you a Shabbat Shalom. That concludes our show for today. Remember, because the Messiah has already come, the Torah is now a document meant to be lived out in the life of a faithful follower of Yeshua through the power of the Ruach HaKodesh to the glory of God the Father. It should not be presumed that it can be obeyed mechanically, automatically, legalistically, without having faith, without having trust in Hashem, without having love for God or man, and without being empowered by the Ruach HaKodesh. To state it succinctly, Torah observance is a matter of the heart, always has been, And always will be. My name is Torah teacher Ariel Ben-Limon Hanavi. The intro and outro song was produced and performed by Ryan Kingsley. For information on contacting Ryan, you can reach me by email at yeshua613 at hotmail.com. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A number 613 hotmail.com or visit our website at graftedin.com that's graftedin.com